Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation will focus back in on the energy sector and markets as we will examine what 2022 has in store, including a look at demand expectations, notable headwinds, and how to think about positioning within this space. Uh, joining me for the conversation today, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, a Jay Dobson, Energy, MLP, and Utilities Analyst America with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, Jay, uh, great to be with you as always. Thank you for dropping by and looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dan. I really appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. So, Jay, to level set, heading into 2022, I know you maintain a most preferred view on the U.S. energy sector. I thought before we expand on 2022 expectations, uh, maybe we can recap the year that was. So, Jay, how did the energy group perform in 2021 relative to your expectations? around the year ago this time, as well as the broader market. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Um, you know, we've been overweight, or as you put it, most preferred on, on energy since, uh, you know, mid-February of, of this year. So, you know, uh, 10 uh, odd, 11 odd months ago. Um, and I'd say though the performance has been volatile. It's probably been, you know, slightly better than, than we even expected. Um, to look at the specific numbers, and these are all as of uh, the 20th of, of December and on a total return basis. But year to date, energy is up almost 48%. Uh, the S&P 500 up about 23, and just to level set, they're a bit defensive, but you know, utilities up about 14. So energy outperformed the S&P 500 by about 24 percent. Um, yeah, that's the best performance that we've seen in in well over 10 years. And I know, I hope we'll have an opportunity to talk a, a little bit about you know what drove that. But I think when you look at the subsectors, you know, particularly given some of the drivers, um, we saw you know the exploration and production companies perform best followed by sort of large integrated oil companies, um, you know, sort of the refiners and the oil field services companies, you know, lagged a bit um, and pipelines, you know, sort of outperformed the refiners and, and the oil field service companies, but underperformed exploration and production companies. So I'd say in summary, um, the overweight worked well and, and probably worked uh, even a little better than we expected, but uh, certainly has its bout of volatility like we're seeing now. Thank you, Jay, for recapping the year that was. So turning now to the year ahead, 2022, I understand your most preferred view is against a backdrop of both improved oil Oil and gas demand, uh, coupled with economic activity, improved economic activity. So I'm curious, though, Jay, how intact is your outlook in light of the recent disruptive developments, impacts, still fluid ongoing surrounding the Omicron variant of COVID-19? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Dan. You know, the Omicron variant of COVID-19 certainly has the potential to slow the demand recovery. And when I'm saying demand recovery, I'm talking about global crude oil demand and associated refined products, which are obviously a big driver of this industry. But I'd say what's most important, particularly for long-term investors, is you know it appears pretty unlikely with what we're seeing to derail that recovery. You know, so I would sort of put it in the category, you know, Maybe we see some delay, but um, you know, unlikely to derail it. I, I think the sort of prism to look 
through this is sort of is the Delta variant uh, experience in in third quarter of this year, sort of July and August, and although that was a, a different time of year, summertime versus wintertime, um, you know, we saw uh, concerns about that demand recovery, but ultimately saw that uh, demand recovery pick up. I, I also think it's important, and, and these are data points from the U.S. Obviously, we are talking about global demand, but gasoline demand currently is being, you know, positively impacted by holiday travel, uh, jet fuel. We're seeing a, a lot of, of passenger increases uh, and, and sort of flights, you know, moving. So uh, uh, though the Omicron variant is, is clearly causing some angst and, and uncertainty, you know, some of the daily data that we look at um, shows, shows some promise. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to watch this carefully, you know, Perhaps the most important thing, you know, when we look out into first quarter, we usually have a, a seasonal sort of uh, uh, you know, slowing of, of demand. So that'll be important to, uh, you know, to manage. But I, I think overall, um, when you look at Omicron, it appears more contagious, but maybe less severe, at least from a hospitalization standpoint. So if we think of it in context of Delta, I, I, I have some level of confidence that uh, this may delay the recovery, but will will not derail. So within that context, you know, as you said, we remain overweight energy um, and expect that, that demand recovery to continue in 2022, which, you know, would certainly support that most preferred view. Well, Jay, appreciate the clarity on your outlook. Now, not to discount the significance of COVID-19, though, to put that on the sidelines for a moment, are there any other notable headwinds, Jay, facing the energy group that you're mindful of heading into 2022? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say headwinds, Dan. I'd, I'd say some maybe risks that, you know, are potential head headwinds. And I'd sort of put them into, you know, three broad categories. You know, the first is just, you know, the supply and demand match. Um, you know, certainly as we see demand recover, um, you know, supply has to follow along. Um, you know, OPEC Plus took a, a lot of supply off the market um, when demand collapsed in 2020 and has been slowly adding it back since uh, since July of, of this year on a on a sort of programmatic basis of, of 400,000 barrels a month. So if you just say the first nine months of, of 2022, when, you know, their plan is expected to continue, um, you know, that would add, you know, another 3.6 million barrels a day of, of demand. So I think just watching how that supply demand balance is, is going to, you know, remain in sync. Obviously, if we put on too much supply, we see prices lag. If we see too much demand recovery without enough supply, you know, we see prices surge, um, and, and certainly what uh, you know, I think OPEC Plus and certainly uh, all uh, global producers are after is, is a more stable price uh, of, of oil. So I, I think that first issue is is sort of the supply and demand match, something that we watch very, very carefully. I'd say the second issue, um, and the second and third are almost one issue, but the second one is, you know, Iran and uh, the nuclear negotiations that are ongoing. You know, we don't take a view on whether that will or will not happen, but certainly the important point to keep in mind is, you know, if you do get a deal, you would have more supply uh, potentially coming back to the market. So that is something that we watch very carefully. 
carefully. Um, and then third, on a related topic, just geopolitics generally, you know, sort of holding Iran aside. You've got, you know, Russia on the supply side. You've got China on the demand side. Um, and, you know, sort of geopolitics are, are always key. You know, the key point, we'll talk about this hopefully a little later in energy transition, but, you know, energy broadly and maybe crude oil specifically, at least in the near to intermediate term, you know, are sort of the lifeblood of the global economy. So, you know, these geopolitic issues are, are quite important, all again within the context of that first issue, you know, supply and demand. We want, as demand recovers, for supply to meet those needs um, and to provide a, a roughly stable oil price looking forward. That's sort of when the market works best. And quite frankly, at even current prices, it's when the stocks work best. Thank you for hitting on those three key risks. Maybe running with energy transition for a few moments, this might tie into our next point. I recall during prior conversations, Jay, you've spoken about key sector themes tied to the energy group. So what themes will you be focused on in 2022? You know, Dan, it's going to sound a little repetitious, but I'd, I'd put them into four categories. Two, we've already talked would be, you know, what's that pace of demand recovery on almost a weekly or monthly basis, because that's the way you have to look at it. Second, you know, how is that supply management going? You know, OPEC Plus, I would argue, has done a very good job so far, um, but they need to continue to manage, you know, the resumption of that supply, uh, you know, and bringing that back to the market to meet that demand. Third is capital discipline for the U.S. onshore operators. You know, again, I think the the calculus is, is, you know, OPEC plus is bringing back barrels. Um, the U.S. producers don't have a lot of incentive to, um, you know, put a lot of capital spending to work and, and grow production. You'll see capital spending up, you know, call it uh, 10 to 20 percent in the pursuit of, you know, production growth in, in low single digit percentages. Um, but that capital discipline is what's driving a lot of the valuation. Stable oil prices drives uh, positive free cash flow. And a lot of that free cash flow is going back to shareholders in the form of dividends, variable dividends, and, and share repurchases. And then the fourth issue, as you mentioned, is, is sort of this energy transition and how these companies can embrace you know, their competitive advantages uh, as they look forward to how they can play a big part, whether it is in carbon capture and sequestration or in hydrogen or other technologies that you know, all will you know, look to. Uh, to you know, sort of be a part of that energy transition. I've certainly been heart heartened over the last you know twelve months to see a lot of these companies taking you know bolder uh, and broader actions on on the energy transition to make sure that they're positioned to not only make sure we have uh, the adequate amount of, of fossil fuels, but also have the investment to assure um, we can move forward on the energy transition and move to less carbon intensive technology. You know, the key thing I think that's interesting is, you know, the International Energy Agency still says that we're not investing enough in fossil fuels and we're not investing enough in renewables. So, you know, no matter your views on uh, on this change, uh, I think we have to invest more in both in order to make sure we have that clean, reliable 
and affordable energy, which is the lifeblood of the global economy. So I'd say in summary, uh, sort of four elements, demand, supply, capital discipline, and energy transition are sort of the keys that underpin our you know, overweight position or most preferred view of the energy sector going into 2022. Well, looking forward, Jay, to tracking the progression, the evolution of those themes into 2022. And of course, beyond, though, to cap off our conversation for uh, this year, 2021, Jay, maybe we can touch on positioning. So with respect to allocation within the energy group, Jay, what subsectors look most attractive at this time? Yeah, as we said, we've got a most preferred on the overall energy sector. We view that, you know, broadly as the S&P energy sector, the energy stocks in the S&P 500. But by subsector, um, we'd prefer and have a most preferred view of the exploration and production subsector, as well as the integrated oil company. These are the large companies that do lots of things, both upstream production, refining, and petrochemicals. Um, We're neutral on the pipelines, um, just given their lack of exposure to um, these improving demand and and, uh, sort of above-trend commodity prices. And, you know, to round it out, we're a little more selective in the, you know, refining and oil field services sector. Um, Still opportunities there, but, you know, if you sort of had to pick, you know, one sector just because it's really the bullseye of this capital discipline trend, it would be the exploration and and production companies, certainly the, the U.S. onshore guys. Well, Jay, very productive conversation as always. Thank you for spending some time with our listeners, our clients, not only today, but throughout the course of 2021. Really appreciate the insights that you've provided here on top of the morning, and we will indeed look forward to picking back up with our energy conversation in the year ahead, but I wish you a happy and healthy holiday season, Jay. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Really appreciate it. Happy holidays to you and and to all our listeners. Thank you, Jay. And again, today we've been joined by Jay Dobson, Energy MLP and Utilities Analyst Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and their listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including Jay Dobson's most recent U.S. Energy Equity Preference List Update. So for clients of UBS, please be sure to reach out to your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy directly. Though again, the publication can now be located up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways 
and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.